We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here we go and welcome back, my friends, to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm Chris Fayemfleet. Thank you so much for being with us once again, wherever it is that you're listening and whatever activity that you're doing right now. If you haven't yet, please take a second to subscribe or follow on whatever platform it is that you are listening on right now as you do those various activities, driving to work, working, working out, walking the dog, making dinner. I don't know, whatever it is. Thank you for being here. If you're a fan of Shark Tank, like I am, and every time you watch it, your brain goes into overdrive, thinking about what exactly you could invent, oh, then this episode is going to fuel all of that even more. Warren Tuttle has spent most of his career helping inventors bring their product to market. He knows all about how this process works. In fact, products that you've used in the past or perhaps products that you use right now every single day are a direct result of Warren. He'll tell you more about what those products are, and you're going to go, oh my gosh, I can't. I use that thing all the time. He's also the author of a book called Investor Confidential, The Honest Guide to Profitable Inventing. You can find that wherever you get your books. But think about this, and we talk about this a lot in the interview, but think about this. Literally everything that we use in our life is an invention. It started with someone's idea, and then it got brought to market. Like, I mean, I'm talking into a microphone right now. I'm wearing headphones right now. I'm looking at a computer right now. All of these are inventions. I'm just fascinated by this. You can find Warren on social media at WWTuttle. That's Tuttle spelled T-U-T-T-L-E. You can find me at Chris Fanfleet. There is so much packed into this conversation. So let's dive right into it. Please welcome. Warren Tuttle. Warren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, it's my pleasure. This is going to be fun. You know, I was thinking as we were preparing for this conversation about like, I just started thinking about inventions. And then I started to think literally everything that we use in our daily life is an invention. Like literally everything. It's true. It's true. Our, our whole economy is based on it. In some ways, our whole culture, you know, it goes right back to the founding of America. The patent system was one of the first things put in place. The the patent, the U.S. Patent Office was the second building built after the White House. So it's in our DNA. Wow. So what would be some products that people listening to this right now would be aware of that you have created? Oh, well, you know, I, I haven't created all of them, but I've been involved in launching them. 
Okay. Uh, I did a product called Misto, the olive oil sprayer. It's uh, basically an alternative to Pam. You know, Pam that's sold in supermarkets. Um, Pam is great, except it uses a propane gas to fire, which is not good around flames or stoves. Um, when you finish, you have to throw the can away. Misto, you get to choose your own oil, and it's uh, you know used as many times as you want. So that was my first real mission with an inventor uh, back about a little over 20 years ago. But since then, I've oh man, I've launched uh, cool towels, which uh, were, are the the uh, the towels that you wet them and they drop in temperature to cool you off. Um, I've uh, more more so for the hardware space than the than the, um, than the athlete space, but uh, I've done. Um, I, I launched the Nespresso coffee system at my stores years ago. I didn't invent them, but I helped help launch them. And I don't know. You can read the book Inventor. I'm supposed to repeat Inventor Confidential. You can read Inventor Confidential for a lot of good stories. Well, that's what we're here for to talk about your book Inventor Confidential. Which, look, I think a lot of people that are listening to this have great ideas. I feel like everybody has that great idea embedded in their head. Oh, this would be such a good invention. But it doesn't. I mean, it starts with an idea, but then where do you go from there? Well, I'm sort of old school. Um, I, I, I do believe it does start with an idea. You're 100% correct. But it's what you do with it next. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not unlike the music business or the book business or anything for become a professional athlete. You know, it's not easy to get to the top of the pile and to take an idea and then eventually get that to market and sell a lot and make money on it. You really have to take that idea and you have to develop it. Uh, I believe big time in, in building working prototypes to see what you have. Um, we then use those prototypes to uh, determine what mechanically is different about it than anything that's ever existed before. And then that's used to file patents, which end up protecting it. So it's it's quite a bit of a process. So there are some that preach, you know, ideas and send in ideas to companies, but I've never seen one work. And and uh, I'm, I'm kind of old school with you developing. You learn how to block, tackle, and, and do your job properly. With the world that you work in and operate in, how often do you hear, oh, Warren, I had that idea years ago. Yeah, yeah, right, regularly. And uh, it is not unusual with a, a country of 340 million people to have two of them actually thinking the same thought. Um, but but see, that's the thing here. We're now a society who, you know, the rules are based on, it's really not your idea until you register, you know, officially. So if you really want to profit from it, and that's what I write about extensively, how, how you want to take that idea and make it profitable, you really have to follow a protocol, you know, to make it happen. What would you say is the timeline from idea? Like, let's say it's a, a product you can actually make a prototype for. What's the timeline from the idea to actually getting this patent approved? Well, uh, that's a very good question. So I usually look at the timeline of when they bring it to me and when we get it to market. But let me talk yeah, about sure. that, t- that timeline. So, you know, it's obviously all up to the individual. But I always say, you know, with your idea, before you even start thinking about patents or prototyping, you really need to vet the marketplace. Of course, that's fairly easy today with Amazon and, and a lot of Internet and online tools. In the old days, when we didn't have a virus, I'd say go out to the stores, check it out, you know, look around. But in any event, you need at least, you know, a month or two to really see what's out there and do your due diligence and work on, on seeing what else exists. You might even want to go, by the way, to industry trade shows, which aren't really running right now, but they will be once again to really find out what's going on. And then you want to develop the prototype. Now, it depends how many iterations you make. The first one may take you a month or two to build, uh, but then you keep developing it over time. So it's not an overnight process. 
Um, and by the time you get that ready and then you hire a patent attorney to help you file, you know, you're talking about, you're talking about months, you're talking about maybe six months, maybe even a year. I've, I've heard of inventors working several years before they work out all the kinks. So um, it's, it's not, a, not an easy, you know, quick process always. Um, and again, I, I try to cover that ground. That it's better to be patient and thorough than it is to be quick. Which would you say that Shark Tank has affected all of this? Because I feel like it's putting inventors on this platform where they're able to showcase their inventions all the time on uh, on TV. No, no question. Shark Tank is big. Of course, we were inventing in this country before Shark Tank. <laughs> so uh, I would say that inventors have made Shark Tank big also. Um, but yeah, it's, it's brought a lot of attention to it. It's very, very competitive to get on the show. I have a good friend who's actually going to be on the season finale on May 21st, and he was one of I don't know 20, 30,000 inventors that lined up to uh, to to apply. Uh, it's quite, by the way, during during COVID, you know, it's quite the process, the whole thing. So, having said that, uh, Shark Tank certainly uh, is a fun show. It brings a lot of entertainment to it. Uh, I don't watch it a whole lot because I kind of do it all day long, and at night I want to watch something different. But it's no, there's no question that the numbers have, have you know, amplified. And, and I do think people uh, have learned a lot about the questions that are asked and, and what are sort of the uh, business plan and other things that you want to do if you want to go to market. Now, for me, a lot of what I do is in the licensing arena. So I might not take candidates for Shark Tank who want to raise capital and take it to market themselves. I'm the little easier route. You know, we'll take your patents and license them to a larger company. Um so it's a little bit different. But having said that, uh, there's no doubt that Shark Tank's had a huge impact. Is this who you've always been? Have you always been like a curious person who's been tinkering? Like as a kid, were you tinkering with things like taking things apart and trying to figure out how they all worked? Well, no, I'm, I'm not a great inventor. I'm, I'm, I'm a bad inventor. The things I've helped invent are not really particularly done well. What I've been really good at is having an eye for products. I was a buyer at a department store in New York City. You know, when I when I grew up and then I started my own store, sort of complete kitchen, they were called. But uh, and I had a, a cooking school and a food business called the Good Food Store. But we were sort of Williams Sonoma high end stores in the housewares arena. So what I had was a really good eye for product. And I launched many, many products for other people. And then finally, one day, met this inventor that had Misto and I kind of shifted over to going upstream and finding out and learning more about the process, you know, before, you know, someone started manufacturing it, which which I found sort of, I always wanted to know where the source of the Nile was. It's not, by the way, Lake Victoria. I'll tell you that about that later when we're offline. But but having said that, you really have to go deep into hard Africa to find really where these products are invented at the end of the day. And that's what I'm good at. But I I was uh, more of an outdoorsy, reckless, crazy man who, uh, you know, never, never followed the rules or paid attention to anything. So. <laughs> when someone brings uh, an idea to you or concept to you or product to you, what are you looking for? Well, uh, excellent question also. So I specialize in in uh, hardware, housewares, and uh, what we call direct response television arena. So I'm really up to speed on those categories. Um, when someone brings me, you know, say an exercise equipment or a medical device or something, I'm not as up to speed. So let's just pretend I'm up to speed and I know. So assuming I know the categories as I do those, I'm looking for something, first of all, it's totally different than anything I know about. And I pretty much know everything. I mean, I, I know not to look at me, you would think that. But I've been through this, you know, so many, I get so many thousands of submissions. I've been doing this for so many years. So that's probably the first thing. Is it unique? Is it different? And then if it catches my attention, the second thing, is it functional? 
does it have a chance of working? Could it be built or made for an appropriate price? These are all things going through my head. And then, of course, I'm thinking, is it demonstrable? Is it something that you can educate and share with others if it's new? So all these things go through my head. And, and these are the questions that I ask people. Is it does it solve a problem? You know, is it novel? You know, can it be built properly? And uh, is there are there enough people that think it's interesting to make it a, a success at market? I'm sure there's been some big misses in your career, a product <laughs> that you didn't think would work. And then a year or two or five later, it's a multi-billion dollar product. What are some big misses for you? Well, thankfully, there haven't been too many, but I do live in complete fear of that, completely <laughs> neurotic of, of that every time I see something. Um, there's only one product that I've ever, well, there's been a couple that uh, I didn't secure a licensing deal and they went on, but I tried my best and they made a decision to do something else, which is fine. Sure. The only one that I ever turned down was uh, a product in the shape of a, like a long dachshund dog and it was a hot dog slicer. And they pitched it to me that a lot of kids can choke on hot dogs. And I really didn't do my due diligence. And I had kids and I never heard of anyone ever choking on a hot dog, right? And I thought, ah, that's that's just a pitch. And, and they went on to develop this thing. It was really clever and really cute and appealed to a lot of people. And they ended up selling millions of them through Walmart. And I completely missed that one. So I will, I will, uh, you know, nod to that one. But overall, in my field, I don't miss too many, you know? If that's your only miss, I think that you've got a pretty good batting average here. Well, let's just say this. I, I keep my sights, you know, narrow enough that, uh, you know, that, 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 that I'm not in such a broad field that I could, you know, continually miss. But if you, if I miss in what I'm good at, then I'm, I'm that's really sad. Although I feel like the licensing opportunities for that product could have been really big. Yeah, well, listen, you know, it's, it's, um, it's funny. I, when I look at products, I evaluate the product. By the way, you asked me before I look for it. There was one more component that I should have added. I also look at the individual and the person. Sure. And are they a little crazy? Are they a little waggy? Are they are they listening? Are they really out there? So so I think these things sometimes can throw you off. And I try to look through the, you know, directly the product, try to, you know, take out all the noise and all these stuff going on. But I do very much care about does the individual did they put a lot of passion into this do they know what they're talking about did they do their due diligence and homework are they credible so all these things matter to me so again i write in the mentor confidential a lot about that about how to approach companies how to approach people like me to make your case you know it's look, look it's like anything just imagine if you're a I mean, think of your elvis you know what did elvis do the first time he he pitched himself to you know his manager or whatever you gotta you gotta how do you come across and, and, you, and you have to have your act together with all of the inventors that you've worked with would you say that there are some common personality traits amongst all of them yes yes uh, do you want me to tell you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the answer is yes um well first first of all let me tell you what there there there's not which is okay. which narrow it down uh it doesn't man or woman ethnicity location place of birth um, you know, all these things don't matter. Mm. I have found inventors of completely diverse backgrounds and types and shapes and sizes that think exactly alike. Okay. And what do inventors think continually? They're that 2% that never is satisfied with what things are. They always think they can do a better job. They always look at everything, no matter what it all day long thinking, oh, that could be, you know, this could be made better. And Thousands of ideas go through their minds all the time, you know, and they never stop. Sometimes they can't, they can't shut it off. So 
What they may have a difficult time doing is settling down, following the protocol and turning that idea into, you know, like if it was a musician and you have many tunes going, which is the one that you pick out and write the song that becomes the eventual hit. So, you know, we, we want to get them focused. And, and again, in Inventor Confidential, I go into that a lot, but that's, that's the main trait. They're continually solving problems, um, either finding a, a physical solution to something that makes life easier or it brings quality of life to people. I would say that's, that's the key symptom. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think that a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to invent this great product. I'm going to sell all kinds of these and I'm going to become a millionaire. Yeah. Is that a realistic dream? No. <laughs> Uh, from now on, I'm just giving yes and no answers. Um, <laughs> this is what the entire book is about. So, so um, leading off the book, I print a survey. It was taken by an inventor uh, magazine. Uh, it was a survey done like two years ago that found that 78% of all inventors that filed a patent thought they were going to become millionaires. Yeah. And the bottom line is way less than 1% or a fraction of 1% become millionaires probably less than 1% become successful. Um, mm. So it is a field of dreams. Um, it is uh, a lot of emotion goes into it. I, I write a lot about that, about not letting your emotions get the better of you. Stay within yourself. You know, don't, don't, don't blow your shekels. I have a chapter on that, you know, don't, you know, just be, be, be wary. But here's the, the second part of that. There are a lot of uh, companies, individuals, and folks that, who have moved into the industry, many who don't really have, you know, amazing, you know, background in the space that have sort of showed up sort of Deadwood style to town to coach or to otherwise help inventors. And they charge up front for their services. And inventors are often gullible. And I, I don't know of a better word to say than that. I don't mean to be mean, but they're so into the technical part and the engineering and the solving problems. They haven't thought about the marketing and the other parts to get to market. And a lot of times they are taken advantage of, spend a lot of money, and there's no result. The success rates are just as low as if they had done it on their own. So again, in Inventor Confidential, I speak a lot to that. That's really the confidential part of the book, which is which is how to uh, how to how to spot things and how to be more aware. I have one chapter called "Be Beware." The other is "Be Aware of What's mm -hmm. Going On Around You," so that you don't get taken advantage of because of your dreams. And with all that said, do you think that anyone could be an inventor? Um, I don't think. Anyone could, but I think a lot of people can. Um, if you don't, uh, let's just say this, you have a leg up if you have uh, 
engineering skills or or at least an appreciation of engineering. You know, not everybody went to engineering school, but some people can build a car in the garage, you know. So you you might have those sort of maker skills that you can do it yourself. So if you can put things together, if you have an engineering background or, or mind, uh, I think things come easier to you. But frankly, um, if you have ideas and ways to improve life and you understand the benefit statement, um, that also helps. So combining those things sometimes is a little bit tough, but I would say that it takes people that are persistent, um, that stay after it day after day or patient. But I would just warn people too, that the flip side of that coin is, is, you know, hanging on too long and, and blowing your money. So yeah. it's, it's a, it's a fine line. And I would say that at the end of the day, uh, if there's a couple percent that are contented of solving problems, maybe 10% of society could become inventors if they really worked at it. You know, and I want to bring it back around to Shark Tank for a second, because I think a lot of people are very familiar with that. Sure. There's a lot of inventors, a lot of entrepreneurs that go on that show and are so convinced that they have the greatest product ever and nobody else sees it. And I feel like you must see this all the time. Someone who thinks this is such a great product, this is such a great business, and they just can't, you know, they can't hey, listen, sell you. Listen, I've been there. I, I helped um, develop from scratch a product called uh, Stir Chef. It was a automatic saucepan stirring device that I, it was all my idea. Uh, it would stir, you know, the most common command given in, in, in cooking is to stir, you know, continuously, intermittently, whether yeah. it's beans or soups or pastas, you know, you look at the label and I had a cooking school and I, I got on this track that, you know, I, we have to have something that helps people stir. And uh, so I, I put it together with an engineer. I gave him all the, you know, the, the boundaries and where we wanted to go. It had to be small enough to fit in the drawer. It had to have collapsible arm spring loaded to fit on any size pan, adjustable paddle, all these things. And had to have a motor that could stir cement strong enough to stir. I, I had the whole thing now. And I even developed two of them. Same price, same product. One was called um, Stir Chef, and that was going to be at Williams Sonoma and Bed Bath for $29.99. And since they like high margins, they were going to buy it for me at $12 and they make 60% margin. Yeah. And then I had the same product put in a red box called an Easy Stir and sold that to Walmart, you know, and that that was twelve dollars, but they were going to retail for nineteen ninety nine. So everybody got what they want. Brilliant business plan. Put the whole thing together. The whole thing was a complete bust. We didn't sell any. What happened was your high end chefs, you know, the Martha Stewarts, they didn't want help stirring. They want to put the love, you know, in the cooking. And the low end um, people put in things in microwaves and didn't stir and didn't care about. It. So, so I got stuck and I had a huge colossal financial um, failure, and I learned from that. And uh, I write a chapter in the book, very personal about failure and what you have to do to over overcome that. But I went down that very road that you described, with, which nobody could tell me, right? Nobody can tell me that that my product wasn't going to be right. But you know what? Because everywhere I went, uh, you know, I, 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 I took orders at, at Walmart, at Bed Bath. Everybody wanted the product. What I didn't realize is I'd had so much success with Misto. People were betting on me more than they were the pr the product at the end of the day. So I misread the whole situation. Mm. I didn't do enough consumer testing. And so you definitely, and I write about that extensively in a matter of confidential, you have to look up and look around you and make sure that you're you're staying in touch with things because you know you can very quickly go off track uh and lose a lot of money. And this the end of the story is a couple of years ago I was judging a pitch contest in Minnesota and um a guy comes up to the microphone and we're up on a podium and what does he have? A saucepan stir. And I go, dude, um, not for nothing, but you know, I blew, you know, close to a million bucks on this 
on, on a, a saucepan stirring device. And you may want to rethink that one because there's not a lot there. And he, and he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I said, yeah, I actually do understand. So after the show, after we were done, I went over to his booth and I tried to talk. He wouldn't listen to me. So finally, I swear to God, I did this. I, I, his wife and daughter were there. And I asked to speak to them separately and I pulled them aside and I said, please, yeah. please keep an eye on this because I've been through this and I, it, it, you know, it, there, there's, it's not going to happen. Okay. And so just, just watch your dad, watch your husband, make sure you keep money. But, but that's what happens. And it happens to a lot of people. But you know, the funny thing was, if you don't put all your passion in and you don't do that, you'll never get on Shark Tank and you'll never make your pitch and you'll never, you won't be the one selected. So you do have to put passion into it. You just have to know, you know, when to pull back if it's not going well. Do you have just a warehouse of these stirring devices just sitting there? Unsold? Oh, I got everything. I got Mister right next to me. I got, I have them all right here in my office. I have. Well, like if they them. if they weren't a hit, do you just have like a whole bunch that are oh, just yeah. sitting around? Well, not a whole bunch. We well, I'll tell you what we we made up two hundred twenty five thousand surgeries, and I I liquidated them. Uh, I was so happy. It took me nine months. Uh, by the way, inside a warehouse with no windows. I mean, that's probably. Well, no question was my biggest failure in life, um, certainly financially, and and uh, was very harrowing. But frankly, without that, I didn't learn all the things that I had to learn to write the book, you know. So, so, uh, but no, I, I wanted to be done with that. And if I never saw another one, it'd be too soon. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure all of your successes have made up for that one, you know, somewhat large failure. Yeah, I, I've had a lot of successes. I've had Misto. I've had SmartSpin, which which we sold over twelve million units. Oh, tell us and, about SmartSpin. Well, SmartSpin was invented by a wonderful inventor named Saul Palder, who was in his late eighties when I met him. And actually, I was still in the dregs of stewardship. And uh, he kept calling me because he had heard that I did done Misto. And uh, I had I had I told him you have to wait until I'm liquidated all the stock because I have partners and other things. And he waited like three or four months for me, which is amazing because he could have gone on. And I ended up help finishing the design of the product and we took it out through TV. But basically it was a lazy Susan, if you will, that had a base, uh, but on top of it, you could store storage containers and we could put 24 storage containers and 24 lids, universal lids. And so within one cubic foot, you could do 48 piece set and you could pull it off the shelf and take the storage containers out vertically. So what it became was a basically a storage system for storage containers. Now, why is that important? Because most people just throw all their storage containers, you know, and when you open the cabinet, that was our classic shot. They all fall all over you and then you can never find the lid. And so we organized it and we hit a sweet spot with that. And we sold, you know, 7 million of them the first year we put it on TV. By the way, 7 million is like 14 containers a day for like the whole year. <laughs> so we had five different factories making them and it was a huge hit. So I've been up and I've been down in this business, but that also led me uh, to settling down eventually and getting involved with companies to run their open innovation program and, mm -hmm. uh, and getting out of sort of the ruckus and the tumult of every day of that and, and now helping companies find new products, which is a little bit more stable. When you're at a dinner party, Warren, and people find out what you do, they immediately pitch you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like a doctor, you know, like, you know, oh, my elbow hurts, my neck hurts, you know, and all that. I get it all the time. People have it or they have a friend or they have this. And and so for sure, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's always an, an interesting thing. But uh, it's better than my old business when I had when I had my food and, and housewares business. And this one guy, I'd, I'd run into him at every dinner party and he'd tell me I should do a coffee stand at the train station. 
And I, I said, well, who's going to, I have 65 employees. When am I, how am I, when am I going to find time to do that? And they, and they well, well, you could, you could go over and do it. And I go, how about you do it? You know, but anyway, but getting back to the mental world. Yeah. I, I get, I have a lot of interesting conversations and I speak both nationally on these, but a lot of times I get asked to speak locally at, you know, local chamber and, and uh, rotary club things here too, that I, I participate in as well. So, so there is a general interest in, in, in the category. And what's the standard answer when someone starts to pitch you? Oh, I'm always, I'm always very polite. Cause listen, it's, uh, you know, signing licensing deals and getting these things through developing products. It, it, I always say it's a lot like mating, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, like when I'm looking at products, you know, it's almost like going out on a date, you know, and you have to decide whether you're going to go to the next level or not. So, so in the beginning, I never met an, an, an idea early that I didn't love. I fall in love like every day, you know? <laughs> and, and so then I have to vet it out and see if, you know, it's serious. So, so when someone has a an idea, I try to listen to it. Now, if they start to describe it, and I've seen it before, you know, I'm pretty quick to, to tell them some of the challenges. I don't try to put them down, but just tell them, if you want to be serious about this, you need to do these things. But if it's something that's interesting and, and different and, and unique, you know, then I usually, they usually uh, pull it together and send me and I, and I, and I look at them and I look at, I look at a lot of products every day, you know, so uh, I look at thousands a year. So it's, it's always fun, but I, I have the passion for it, but I think without the passion, you can't really fully evaluate these things. You just have to have passion without getting in over your head. That's all. I found this so interesting. And I know that so many people listening to this right now are inspired because they have those ideas and maybe they've never done anything with those ideas. Uh, what's the best way that people can find your book, but also get in touch with you? So I have a website, uh, Tuttle Innovation, T-U-T-T-L-E, innovation.com. And uh, it has links to all the different, you know, categories that I'm in and some of the new things I'm working on. Uh, I also have a website for my book, Inventor Confidential. If they want to read more about that, it's available on Amazon. And uh, so that's one that's that's probably the easy way, easiest way from there. You can email me. Um, Emailing's better. I, I don't have a lot of time early on to take calls and talk to people. I just don't have enough time in the day. I do have a submission process with questions. I write about that in the book too, but things that I'm interested, you can very quickly submit to me through the sites. And I always get back to people within a day or two. Um, so at least, uh, you know, with one way or another, a lot of times it's to say, no, we're not going to do it, but at least I'll get back to them and let them know where they stand. I end every conversation, Warren, talking about gratitude. And I say that if you can be grateful, you will live a great life. What are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Well, since it was just Mother's Day, I have to say I'm grateful for my mom. And uh, I was just doing a post the other day, so that immediately comes to mind. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm entirely grateful to my wife, uh, who's been with me for 38 years through all thick and thin, <laughs> who I dedicated the book to, uh, along with my first mentor. And uh, I guess I'm very for my three daughters. So listen, I grew up as one of four boys and didn't talk to a girl until I was 17. So my life, so I, I have to say I'm grateful to all the women in my life. Yeah, all the all three things that you're grateful for are women. I love it. That's right. <laughs> well, I'm grateful for this conversation, Warren. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Well, there you go. And I am just fascinated by this whole process of taking something that's an idea and then turning it into a multi-million or multi-billion dollar product. Or in the case of some inventions, I mean, some inventions change the world. So if you're like me, that conversation has your brain going like crazy and you're thinking, what could I invent that hasn't been invented yet? Hmm.
You can find Warren's book, Investor Confidential, The Honest Guide to Profitable Inventing, wherever you find your books, and you can check out his website, TuttleInnovation.com. Snap a screenshot. Let us know that you're on this ride with us. Tag us on social media. Warren is at WWTuttle. I am at Chris Van Vliet. And I'll leave you with this very fitting quote from a very famous inventor by the name of Thomas Edison. To invent, you need a good imagination and a pile of junk. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.